When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast P presented to you by Prize Picks, a wave sports and entertainment original. And ladies and gentlemen, we are wrapping up on season one. But before we did that, we had to go big. Ooh. And we went really big. Who we got, P? We got chairman. Che- now oh, he put us on game. Uh-huh. Chairman of all chairmen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm very, very grateful to lace it up for this gentleman right here. We got none other than the man himself, Steve Ballmer. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Pleasure to be here. Steve, we, we appreciate you coming on set here. This is, uh, this is groundbreaking for us, for where we started to where we're at now to have you on our set. We, we, we appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm glad to see you guys have kicked a little ass with this yes, thing. Sir, Congratulations. Yes, sir. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Good. Thank you. Good. Stock, the stock ain't doing as good as Microsoft here, but but we're, we're, we're working we're, on we're it. Rising. We're rising. We're <laughs> rising. All you have to do is keep the faith. Keep the faith. That's the Microsoft experience. I want to start this off by, you know, again, this is our season finale, but, uh, I'm sure people back home want to know, you know, how it was when we first got together. Um, and I always cherish when we first, you know, talked. That first dinner we had, I remember we went to Georgia Baldy. We had the dinner there. But for me, it was great, you know, to build that relationship from day one uh, with you. Can you can you talk about that relationship that built that was built on that day? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was fun. Uh, what was the name of the place? Georgia Baldy. Georgia Baldy. Yeah, kind of down there at the base of the street coming off the Palisades, yep, right? Yep, yep. I've been back there, by the way. I went there with my I'm friends this afterward. Weekend. Are you? Yeah. I love that place. I love that place. This is not, by the way, a paid political announcement for right, the restaurant. Right. They've offered nothing up, but it is a fantastic place that, that Pete taught me. No, it was, it was great because you joined. We'd had a chance to do a little group interaction, but they're able to sit down talk, mm-hmm. get to know you more as a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, you know, I, we don't work together day to day. I watch your work, of course. Yeah. But we don't work together every day. But getting that chance to talk, to, to build a bond, because I think that is important mm-hmm. because the bond in our organization, it has different pieces, but I think the bond, you know, between me as a team chairman and you mm-hmm. as a superstar. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important one. And and I and I like hearing I like hearing about your story and uh, uh it was it was great. Yeah. I know going or uh leaving that dinner. I was like, "Well, wow, he really knows basketball." Cuz you talked about high school guys, you talked about college guys, you talked about like all the guys that was in the Northwest area. You brought up Brandon Roy, you brought up Jamal Crawford, like all these, you know, guys that played and, and were big time players, but you you knew about these guys since they were in high school. Talk to me or or let them know, the fans know, just about like how deeply rooted you are with basketball. Yeah, I mean it's funny. When I was a like a little kid, knew nothing about basketball. My dad had moved to the US from Switzerland, knew nothing about basketball. 
Um, and when I, we, my family moved out of the country for a few years, we moved back when I was 11 mm -hmm. and there were these kids down the street who were basketball lovers. You know, they had the hoop up in front of the house. We got a hoop up in front of our house. We'd sit out there and shoot. And I suck. Okay, <laughs> I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to admit any words here. I played in ninth grade on a no-cut team, and that was it. That was it. That was the sum total of my, my basketball career. I mean, I keep – I still to this day, I'll go out and shoot because yeah. somehow it's a very calming thing for me to have a chance to do, um, I don't know, getting out of the house, something when I was a kid. So when I was 11, I get exposed to the game. And I immediately said, this is, this is cool. This mm -hmm. is fun. Uh, started playing in the driveway. Went to, you know, freshman year. I played my, my one year. But I became a Pistons fan. I was mm -hmm. growing up in Detroit. Uh, and, and I was kind of the stats guy. I did some stats for our high school team. I did stats for our college team. Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's what you do if you can't play, but you love the game. And... Uh, and so I started following. I moved to Seattle uh, in 80. I became a Sonics fan. But I've been paying attention to high school hoops in Seattle. I'll tell you how far back. Quinn Snyder, when he was a senior at Mercer mm, Island wow. High School in Seattle, wow. I remember them going to state and winning the state championship. It was him and a big kid, I can't remember, seven-foot kid who went, uh, Schwabi, Brian Schwabi, went to play at Northwestern. But him and Quinn Snyder were the two guys that, you know, obviously yeah. Quinn Snyder now feels like an old guy. Right, right. But uh, I remember his, when, him when he was in high school, and I just got to pay attention to that stuff. There you have it. Look, the NBA season is done, but that doesn't mean that prize picks is. Jackie, what's the next sport that's making you some money? WNBA, baby. <laughs> You know I'm coming up big thanks to our girl, you know, Asia mm -hmm. Wilson, because she was on our show. She been, been putting up big numbers for me. You know how she do, Dallas. But people don't know what we're talking about. Let them know what we're talking about. So Prize Picks is a daily fantasy app. You pick two to six players like the video on your screen, then pick if they will have more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. I know how much I want. I always do, but let the people know how much they can win at prize picks, man. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And on top of that, all first-time users that deposit and use our promo code PODCASTP will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That means if you deposit $20, prize picks will give you $20. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. And at the end of the day, you already know what it is. Cha-ching! I want to ask you a question. I want to get real nosy with you. Yeah. <laughs> real nosy. I want to get real nosy. I want to take you back to the beginning, though. Okay. You know, before you start on a basketball team. Yes, sir. I'm going to take you back to the Microsoft days. You see, you knew somebody before I was even born. I was born in 81. I got it. I got yeah, you. I barely made it. I barely made it. <laughs> but in 1980. Yes, sir. Somebody by the name of Bill Gates hired you as the 30th employee. That's crazy, 30. Why I couldn't be 31 or 29 or something? You know 30. I don't get it. Because the story's good. It's better story if it's 30. Okay. It could have been 29 for all I remember. <laughs> you know, in there someplace. I want to know, how was it the moment when you got hired and what was the environment like back in the day at the Microsoft days and literally, how did you guys know it was going to be something special? I got to go back a little further. Take me back. I lived down the hall my sophomore year in college. So in 74, I lived down the hall from Bill Gates. 
And there was a guy who lived about halfway between us who got to know us both. He says, look, you guys are both a little crazy. You're going to like each other. <laughs> so I got to know Bill. He started Microsoft that year, our sophomore year. And he had this weirdo friend who at least felt like a weirdo friend who wasn't going to college <laughs> with us. who would come in and they'd brainstorm. That was Paul Allen, who mm. he started the business with, who wound up buying the Portland Trailblazers. Mm. Paul's passed away now. But so I was following this thing from, from the get-go because Bill and I, we'd talk, oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? We joined the same fraternity at Harvard. Uh, you know, So we, we knew each other. We talked a lot. He wound up we took some classes together. He winds up dropping out eventually. And after a couple years, uh, I'm in business school and I get this call. Hey, how you doing? I'd been up to see him in Seattle and visited him in Albuquerque because Microsoft started in Albuquerque. So I'd you know, been around the company a little bit. And he said, hey, you know, we kind of need a business guy. Oh, you know, too bad that you're in school right now. Oh, I wish you kind of had a twin brother. You got where this is going. Yeah. Okay, so this is my first year. It's a two-year program. It's my first year at school. So, of course, I, you know, I got to get the drift. And I called back a day or two later and said, hey, maybe we should talk about this. And I was looking at other jobs. And, you know, I mentioned this to people. Yeah, maybe I'll drop out and go join my friend in Seattle. What the? Oh, are you talking about was the basic answer. But Bill and I agreed, look, I'd go join for the summer. Uh-huh. At the end of the summer, he could fire me if he, did, if he wasn't happy and I could quit. No harm, no foul either way. And it was chaotic. Mm-hmm. You want to see my first office? My first office was half of a couch in Bill's office. Wow. I got up there and he said, push my papers to the other side of the couch. We got no office for you. You can use that side of the couch. That's your freaking office, dude. Uh, you know, we, and it was, the, the, the team wasn't all that good. I said to Bill after a month and a half, I'd been there uh, less than a month, less than a month. And, you know, I said to Bill, you know, we need 18 more people or 30 people. No, oh, I didn't. I didn't get you to drop out of business school to bankrupt this company. <laughs> we're living together at the time, yeah, and we're not talking. I'm literally living in his house, and we don't talk for three or four days. And finally, we kind of, because he and I kind of grapple like that. So it's it's a zany zany time, and you know, I, I we went out to dinner with his dad, and. Uh, you know, I said, ah, I think I should go back to business school. I don't drop out of business school to be a bookkeeper of a 30-person company. <laughs> right. Steve, Steve. And Bill's dad is 6'7", and kind of an imposing figure. It was Big like guy. having the muscle in the, in the house. <laughs> and, you know, he said, we're going to put a computer on every desk in every home. I said, okay. Bought a house, and then we took it from there. Did y'all know y'all had something special, though? I would say we had belief, but we never had a, like some big forecast. Mm-hmm. There was a time when the guy who ran Intel, because all of the software runs on the Intel processors, the CEO of Intel said, you know, within a few years, we'll be sell- selling 100 million, you know, PCs a year. And Bill and I looked at each other. What the heck is that guy smoking? This isn't going to happen. <laughs> da, 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 da. But we invested mm-hmm. like it was going to happen, mm-hmm. but we never forecasted like it happens. So what happens then? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you keep your your cost down, and then boom, 
then you get to 100 million and it's like, you know. That's why Microsoft is, I would say, a key reason why we got as profitable as we were. Yeah. So y'all did have something special. Y'all knew it. But we knew, we know we believed. We always said, you're going to bet long term. We're just going to be hardcore. We're going to be the guys who just put the pedal to the metal. Bet, 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 bet. And because we, we, we were basically always profitable, we didn't have to worry about. I mm -hmm. mean, back then, you didn't have to build factories or data centers. You know, in the old days, what, what was software? Right. You chip somebody first a disc or a tape or a CD, you know. You're old enough to remember CDs. I definitely am. You're old enough to remember CDs. Don't, don't give me any BS here, boys. <laughs> um, that's funny. So. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Was there, what, was there any point where you guys were just like, you know what? We've, took, we've taken this thing only as far as we can take it. We don't quite think it's going to be what, it, what we think it's going to be. Was there ever, did you guys ever get to that point or is it just like, we don't care, we're going to make this thing be successful? Yeah, we never had the moment of doubt. No doubt. We never, I mean, look, there were, there were times, <laughs> I don't know quite what, whether I should say this or not. Anyway, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll slightly edit it for commercial purposes. <laughs> We're screwed. We're golden. <laughs> I think you got the, the the small edit there for young audiences. We're screwed. We're golden. We had done this in class one time. You know, oh, the world's falling apart. Oh, but we never really like had some gut check moment. Mm -hmm. Like, is this thing really going to fall apart? Mm -hmm. The only thing that was like, oh, uh, was in about uh, 2000 ish, 99, uh, federal judge ordered that our company be broken up into two pieces. Mm. That was like, shit. Mm -hmm. It's not fair. It's not right. How can they be doing this? This would be bad for the company. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that got turned around, you know, through, uh, through another court. But that was the, you know, like, ugh. we had one other moment. We were working with IBM. IBM's a company nobody gives a damn about pretty much now, but IBM was dominant. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. If I asked you what IBM did, could the three of you answer the question, what do they do these days? No, I have I no idea. I tell exactly. you that. That's I what no I mean. Idea. They're still around and all that, but back then, they were it. They were dominant in computing. I mean, literally, they probably sold 70% of everything that got sold. It was I mean, big. Uh -huh. And we were their partner in the 80s. And then 1990... They turned the gun on us. <laughs> I, was, I was out with my wife, and uh, I stopped at a hotel. We were out for a run, and we stopped, and I pick up the paper, and it basically said, IBM's firing us. It's like, whoa, wow. shit. 
shit, we're in trouble now. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, okay, we can do this. We can, oh my God. The, we call them the bear. The bear's going to stop us now. We've been talking about riding the bear. Get, get on the back of that bear and ride. And all of a sudden, boom, the bear's coming after us. Anyway, <laughs> you asked for a couple of examples, Pete. Yeah. I'll give you those. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but I, I know you, I remember you mentioned the software was was kicking off and the software was super super successful but if i'm not mistaken it was the hardware that really started to boost the company with the xbox 360 the yeah the hardware gives the shine but the software is really was the money maker always. it is and it, you know if you look today at the company software's changed. Back when software was a disc or whatever that you passed out, that was very profitable stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it doesn't cost much to, to make a CD. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, everything's in the cloud, so you got to run big data centers. It's still the software that's the magic, but you're building this these huge, huge data centers mm -hmm. to, you know, the like this chat GPT stuff. Microsoft built a custom data center someplace in Iowa to help the ChatGPT guys get going on this stuff because it's and that that form of hardware you don't see not mm -hmm. like the Xbox right but the thing that the you know that the the consumer relates to it's always it's the, the hardware yeah. doesn't matter whether it makes all the money or not it's what the consumer you know really really grocks yeah got it so Steve after you're done with Microsoft you know you mentioned you were a Pistons fan growing up but walk walk us through the first moment where the possibility of purchase, purchasing an NBA team, specifically the Clippers. Talk about how the story on how that happened and what was going on in your mind at that time. Can I give you a little bit of, a little bit of history before that about Absolutely. buying a basketball team? Paul Allen, my buddy from Microsoft, he buys the Trailblazers in the late 80s. And Steve, this is fun. Steve, you got to do it. You got to buy a team. Come on, Steve. You'd love this, Steve. And, you know, it's not like Paul was an athlete either. She got two guys who basically never made a basketball <laughs> oh, and, and at the time, I got a full-time job. I got young kids. I'm figuring, I, I got to, I owe my, I owe it to everybody at Microsoft to really stay focused. So I stay focused. The Sonics come up for sale. And then the proposition comes, they sell to Oklahoma City eventually. And I'm saying, I don't want to buy, I'm I, I still have my job. Mm -hmm. But then, like, it's real. They might leave town. Can we help build an arena that keeps, you know, the Sonics in Seattle? And it was too little, too late. The guys at OKC, you know, kind of had made their, they had tried. Mm -hmm. Clay Bennett, who, you know, the governor, governor. at OK. Chairman. Governor, chairman. <laughs> he calls himself governor. The governor down there had said, hey, look, you know, I tried to keep the thing in Seattle. They move it. So, I'm, you know, I'm out. Then about, well, I don't know, it must have been 2013. I'm still, you know, running Microsoft. And the Kings come up for sale. And there's a Seattle guy who, well, they don't come up for sale. There's a guy from Seattle who lives in San Francisco, but he wants a team back in Seattle. So he talks to the, guy, the guys who own, at the time, the Kings, the Maloof brothers, into selling the team. And we're going to move them to Seattle. We're going to move them to Seattle. The problem is the league doesn't want to move them to Seattle. You know, we're going to move them to Seattle. And they accept our bid. And we go to the league, and you know, there's another group locally who wants to keep them in Sacramento. 
And the commissioner basically says, hey, you can buy the team if you want to, but you're keeping them in Sacramento. And I'm working, and, you know, (laughs) so I say something I probably uh, probably shouldn't say. (laughs) You think I'm going to fly to Sacramento, California for a game? (laughs) I'm not doing it. He said, then you shouldn't shouldn't buy the Kings. (laughs) So this is is while I'm working. So then, then I retire at early 14. And first thing I do, literally within two weeks of my last day at Microsoft, I fly to New York to meet with Adam Silver, who's taken over now for David Stern, and with Roger Goodell. Because I was also a football team manager in college, too. I like football. Mm-hmm. I don't follow it anymore the same way I used to. But anyway, I say, hey, I want to buy a team and bring it to Seattle. And Adam says, well... You know, we don't want teams to move anymore. <laughs> we saw what happened with Seattle move. We really want these teams to stay. But the Milwaukee Bucks are up for sale. And so I fly to Milwaukee. I don't tell anybody. I fly to Milwaukee for one of their last games of the year, this 2013 season. I drive all around the city. What would it be like? I go to the game, and let's just say there was a guy with a Greek last name and I'd never heard of it. This is 2013. Yeah. So Giannis is still really correct. What the heck? So who are these people on this team? Yeah. Actually, it's good. they have good players there. Right. But they were having a crappy year. It was a game in April. You know what a game in April is like for a crappy team. I'd love to tell you those are the mm-hmm. best games, but I can't tell this crowd that stuff. Anyway, and then I called the owner. The owner said, we're not interested in talking to you. We're late. And it was nice about it. So, all right, that doesn't work. And I'm... Uh, Biding my time, and then the Sterling thing comes out. And my middle son, who was in college at the time, he says, Dad, Dad, you got to get on this. This thing is going to sell. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> you're probably right. And I like L.A. Yeah. I like L.A. I'm retired. The notion of getting out of Seattle when it's, you know, sort of rainy and gray and coming to L.A. in the wintertime, yeah. that's appealing. Mm-hmm. We jump on it. Let's do, go. And I had some, you know, friends, et cetera, kind of helping me figure it out. The problem is... We don't know who, who to buy the team from. <laughs> Who's yeah. selling the team? How yeah. do you get in touch with the Sterlings? I mean, what the heck? So we had kind of a month of running around, chasing, trying to figure out how to get in contact. There was no, like, agent selling the thing at the time. Uh, it was quite, a, quite, a, quite, a, quite an experience, I will tell you that. Got it. Sorry, I'm going long on you guys. No, you're not. That was perfect. That was perfect. We love the, the, the background <laughs> and, you know, everything leading up to and the And the energy events. with it. I will tell you one thing about buying the clever. So I finally I figure out a way to meet Shelly Sterling. Donald's out of the picture and, you know, she's running the show. And I get her on the phone. I'm at a, one of my son's AAU tournaments. I get her on the phone on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, uh, a mutual friend, a guy who'd sat next to her Clipper games, introduces us. And I said, I'd like to say, him. she says, well, just tell me how much you want to pay. This is, a, this is all like on the phone. I said, well, really, uh, I'd like to come see you though first. I, let's, let's, let's. So finally she says, okay, come down, you come down, tell you, tell us what you're willing to pay. So I'm, I'm figuring, like, I got to impress this woman. I, I got to impress her. How do I impress her? I got to know who the best players were in Clipper history. So you did a little research. Yeah, who do you think the best? I mean, back then, this is back then. Best, not retired, not active, because CP and Blake and stuff were yep. there. Best Clipper? Best Clipper. Took a while to figure out. Yeah, who do you think? That, who would you write down? You best Clipper this, Clipper history. The best I'm going to say Bill Walton. That's a good one, but he came to the Clippers' end of his uh, career. Okay, so not, not prime Bill. 
Uh, See, that's the problem. That is tough. That is, it Man. was tough. Yeah, put a face and to I didn't it. want to go to back to Buffalo and say, you know, Bob McAdoo right. or Randy Smith, because people <laughs> don't think of them as Clippers, the Sterlings. Finally, I decided Elton Brand. It was either going to be Elton oh, Brand. Danny wow. Manning got hurt too early. Yep. So I figured, okay, it's Elton Brand, Elton Brand. So I'm thinking, okay, am I going to mention this to show like I'm, I, I give a little Clipper <laughs> love? And we go into the house, we're going through the garage. And I see an Elton Brand jersey hanging. I'm like, ooh, I got it right. He did solve the puzzle. Drop his name. Come on, drop his name. So, anyway, just part of the process. Yeah. So after after this meeting uh, with Mr. Sterling, after that meeting where you're like, all right, I feel good about this. I, I got to. I got to do this. No. Well, I knew I got to do it. Yeah. The teams don't come up. It's an L.A. team. Yeah. I'd mentioned I'd mentioned to Adam when I went to see him, hey, what about the L.A. teams? Because they're close enough to my house because I live in Seattle and all that. And I'm, my wife's never moving. Uh, he said, oh, those teams will never sell. And then, of course, the whole thing happens here. So I was all in. I, I was all in. But then he got in the bid process. And I was still all in, but we were in the bid process. And I just just said I'm gonna get this team, and people thought I way overpaid. Yeah, but I got the team. You got the team. <laughs> I probably paid. I probably paid ten percent more. Maybe not the easy one. I promised my wife one thing. She said, "Just don't embarrass me. Don't like flather money on top of this thing where people say, oh, he just, you know, just like.'" Waltzed in and blah, 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 Mr. Big. So I was like, walk out like this. How wifey feel now? Uh, she's glad I have a hobby. She's happy to come to some games. I mean, of all sports, you know, our kids all play bad. Well, not true. My oldest son played high school basketball in some AAU. My middle son was the basketball team manager in high school. And my youngest son played a lot of AAU and, and high school basketball. Got it. I know. Uh, when the trade went down, I was uh, I was in Vegas at the time, and uh, it's crazy enough when the the trade happened. It was during the big earthquake that happened in Vegas, and uh, for you know, I like to I like to say that I had a little bit to do with that earthquake. <laughs> With that trade going down, but uh, no, I remember when the trade went down and and I was officially a Clipper at that point, and I'm in Vegas and I I had to celebrate. I had to go out. I bought cigars for everybody. I might have bought like 20 cigars, even for people I didn't know. I was just passing them out <laughs> in my section. Um, but I went I went really hard that night, and I think Lou Will was uh, in Vegas at the time. Pat Bev was in Vegas at the time. I remember actually seeing some some uh, social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, for me, it was, it was you know, because I was a childhood Clipper fan. Um, and so, you know, it, it just hits different. I, I don't know if people really recognize when you get a chance to play back home what that means. Um, but I say that to say, when you first, your first day as an NBA owner um, or governor uh, for the Los Angeles Clippers, like, do you remember what that first day was like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. Um, well, I remember, it turns out it's kind of complicated to, you know, transfer $2 billion. So I had to learn what that really meant. <laughs> <laughs> I was standing by a lake in Montana trying to give wiring <laughs> instructions. But anyway, put, that, put like that aside. It. The first day I really think of myself as owning the team or 
Yeah, that sounds like a head scratcher. For the yeah. first time, <laughs> I came down to meet, because you're not allowed to talk to anybody, meet anybody. They The NBA has rules until you, like, the deal's done, deal's not done, because mm-hmm. some stuff happened that they didn't like a few years back. Because of the weird state of the Clippers, they had let me talk to Doc, but that was it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, this is going to be my first real thing. I was going down. We're going to have a dinner with some of the players, with Doc, with me. And I was nervous. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this, is, this is what I wanted, but shit, what am I supposed to say? How's this going to go? And I, I'm not sure, you know, guys would have known. I was, just, I was probably a lot more nervous than any guys on the team who, yeah. were, you know, who were there at the dinner. And uh, so we sit down, and oh, of course it, it goes fine. But I remember Matt Barnes was there, Jordan Farmer was there, CP was there, DJ I think was there, Blake was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal wasn't there, and Jamal I knew, I knew Jamal. He was on the team, but I knew Jamal from around Seattle. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know things went okay. But you know it's kind of like let's break in the new guy. Yeah. Hey Steve, <laughs> you should buy us a plane. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking it all in. Uh, but I also knew because of the circumstances of buying the team, I'm not, I'm not screwing with anything up front, you know, and, and, and shouldn't have. It turned out that was the right thing to do. But you know how a lot, a lot of owners seem to want to come in and, you know, bold, bold moves right away. And I just said, no, okay. Right, you know, we, I thought I was born on third base. We had three All NBA guys when I bought the team. Blake, C, uh, CP, and DJ had all made the All NBA team, and you know, Doc, Doc had you know navigated the team through this stuff. A great coach, and uh, so I just said, I can go slow, figure it out, learn what my job is. You know, I'm not, I'm not a quote. I may love basketball. That does not make me a basketball guy. I don't want to be the guy who comes in and says, hey, you know, I saw this run in the peewees. Let's run this play. Or, you know, I, uh, you know, uh, hey, we ought to trade for, you know, Joe Schlabazel on this team because, whoa, I, you know, I saw him play once and he hit a three that I thought was really impressive. I didn't want to be that guy. Uh, So it, it took me a while to learn what the job is. What my job is versus the job of the head of basketball, the head coach, the the superstar players, et cetera. Mm-hmm. How quick quick was that that separation of like just being a fan of NBA players, being a fan of the game, and then now you just gears it. You got to gear all of that towards just one team. Like how 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 quick of an adjustment did you have to make? Yeah. How quick did I have to? Yeah. And how quick did I want did you to? Do it? Yeah. <laughs> Even faster. I mean. I wasn't an NBA fan. Yeah. I was always a team. Yes, an NBA fan. I always had a team. I always had a team. It's not like I just say, hey, I love all teams. And I'll, you know, I'm about – a lot of people are, are fans of players. I was always – I was a diehard Piston fan. You know, back to the days of Steve Quick and Bob Mix, guys you never heard of who played for the Piston. <laughs> I guarantee you never heard of those two dudes. <laughs> you know, through the Sonics and all the – but I was a Sonics fan. There was no question. Okay. You know, when they played in the NBA Finals against, you know, the Bulls, I was a Sonics fan. I want to bring up another governor of a team and using the right terminology. Right? You got it. You got it. Well, governor. Right. Yeah, I want to bring up – I don't know if you read this before or heard about it. Mark Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> he recently shared a story how he accidentally messed up a trade because he spoke about it at a pickup run. 
I want to know like how P asked you about your first time being the the the, the uh, having the team or whatever. I want to know any learning moments you had when you first started. Yeah, I'll tell you one. So our first game uh, was against OKC. I think this is when you were probably still in Indiana, right? Because mm-hmm. 2014, you would have still been in Indiana. Yep. So we play OKC in the first game, and I, I'm going crazy. I mean, Doc kind of calls, <laughs> you know, talks to me after the game. He says. Yeah, basically, dude, we've got 82 of these at least. <laughs> you, might, you, might, you might want to save a little wear and tear on your vocal cords and your body. It's like, oh, okay, Doc, okay. You, you make a good point there. I call that my first learning moment, if you will. Otherwise, uh-huh. you talk like me. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Yeah, that's, two, that's two good accents you can do. <laughs> two good impersonations. I like the other one you did with Charles Parkley, too. Steve. <laughs> You'll sound like me if you if you. If, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> King, you gonna be the NBA king of impersonations in a minute. Everybody when they see you, be do that impersonation. Watch. I just be really good at it. I don't. I don't. You go on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. NBA edition. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Paul's talked a little bit about, you know, the impact you've had on him from a business standpoint. And I want to talk about how the leadership qualities that you have that you most likely developed at your time at Microsoft, how much of that leadership from a leadership standpoint converted over to how you're owning the Clippers right now? Yeah. I mean, you learn a lot of lessons in everything you do. I mean, I, I once gave a talk at one of my college reunions. Everything I ever needed to know in business, I learned as a Harvard football team manager. <laughs> so, I mean, you develop your leadership, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're in business or you know you're you're a leader on a team, basketball team. You you learn it as you you know as you kind of go. Uh, for me, a lot transfers over. I mean, you respect the power of the team. You know you have key talents, and you've got to make sure that you're really doing the right things to support key talents in, you know, as engineers at Microsoft, it's players in, in, you know, our current business. You have to be, I used to say, you have to dream long-term and deliver short-term. That's essential. It's essential in sports. It's not just essential, you know, in business. Uh, You know, we got to win today and we got to have rosters that stay with us for two, three, four years, because I'm not one of these guys who wants to go through the process or the mm-hmm. rebuild. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't find any excuse for us doing that. We're in L.A. We have a lot more opportunity, I think, to attract free agents. We ought to be able to keep ourselves really competitive year in and year out, mm-hmm. and it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the Lakers went through a really bad, whatever it was, five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think that's that's really important. So how do you how do you think about that? How do you deliver? How do you win now? And how do you set yourself up to be you know good also in the in the future? So a lot of good lessons. Mm-hmm. The one that's crazy, how much I learned that would have helped me in business. The reverse, 
is, you know, in business, people say we're accountable. You know, we got to make our quarterly numbers, our sales and our profits. And, you know, we get grilled by the shareholders and, you know, we say, oh, well, okay, that didn't come in quite right, but we'll get it back. You know, we'll make more next quarter because, you know, blah, blah, blah happened. Or you don't even know what's in the research labs and we're going to blow you away. So don't worry about how much money we spend on that. That's not how it works in sports. Mm -hmm. Every 24 seconds, there's a report card. Every 24 seconds, every 24 and sometimes it's less than 24 seconds, especially if you some teams are in the league, the ball goes up pretty quick. Yeah. But you're getting the report card all the time. You're knowing real time, win, lose, succeed, fail. When a game's over, if you lose, you lose. There's no getting it back. You can't say, well, uh, we'll, win that we'll win that game next game. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. It's super high accountability. In business, you can say, hey, that's in the research lab. There's no research lab. People know who's <laughs> on your roster. They know what everybody gets paid. They know what every other team does. There's a software that'll tell you what trades are possible. They can see every statistic that anybody on the team can see. They can watch everything. They can see everything. Mm -hmm. The only thing they don't know is sort of, you know, I would call it locker room, et cetera. Somebody's injured. You got to report it. So there's hardly anything the fans don't know. That level of accountability I think gives sharpness and clarity, mm -hmm. whether it's to the players, to the, to, to the, to the staff, to, to, to me and, you know, kind of my role. I, I wish I'd really had that much clarity about accountability, actually, when I was in business. Mm -hmm. so. Having a team to compete every year, right? Um, from a short list goal or a long list goal, like how does that look for you in the, the governor ownership standpoint of what your legacy is in this position? I don't think a lot about legacy. It's not my kind of way of thinking about things. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at it in the context of Microsoft, I am proud of what we built. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a sense, you could say, hey, that's, quote, my legacy. But it's not going to go down as my legacy. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, hey, I was one of the key drivers of that business, as were others. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people forget. They got short memories. Mm -hmm. Okay, now there's a new set of guys that are running and do great stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing I heard that makes most sense is the guy who is responsible for the team as a team, which you could say that's my role, we're just stewards. We just hold the, the, the team for a period of time as kind of the steward on behalf of the fans. And then we pass it to somebody else. That's called the sale, but we pass it to somebody else. And then they steward the team for the fans. Because mm -hmm. in a way, it's probably fairest to say the fans are the – the folks that survive. So mm -hmm. the question I would say is, what is it that I would hope to deliver to our fans? I'd hope to deliver a stronger, better kind of brand and image. I don't want to be the old Clippers. You know, the old the old Clippers, it's pretty... Dark. Our fans don't want to be... Yeah. Want to, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's great we have fans who will say, oh, I've been around since 86 and I put up with all the bullshit basically <laughs> and our fans are hardcore like that but we're trying to now you know i want to be known as a you know as a, as a hot team a hot place i want our fans to be able to feel proud like that mm -hmm. so that's one thing to give the fans mm -hmm. this new arena is a thing to give the fans it really is mm -hmm. because we're never going to be all we can be unless you know we're in nobody's shadow so to speak mm -hmm. so i view that as part of giving our fans something and you know a great place to watch a game and you know, I think of that as a contribution I can make to our fans. Now, as a contribution you can make that I can 
kind of try to help you. <laughs> That's winning a goddamn championship. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can't really do that. I can, I can you know, support everybody, but goddamn, man, that's, that's more on you that's than on it us. is on me. That's on us. <laughs> but that's, you that's, know, that's... putting us out, uh, I can help put us in a position. That's you guys could deliver that to our fans. That's you know, that's what it's about. That's what we're working towards. I know. That's what we're working I know towards. That. What are some of uh, the 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 challenges? from an ownership standpoint, because I know we live in a world where social media is the heaviest and everybody has an opinion. I'm sure times you're out and you get a, a chirp here and there of what people think you should do uh, in your position. What what are some of the challenges that, that ownership brings when, you, when you're owning a team? It depends on how you do it. My wife's got an expression that I think I'm gonna slip right in here. I like to lay low and wear beige. <laughs> lay low and wear beige. No, no big appearance, no nothing. Just blend right in. Yeah. Now, I can be enthusiastic at the games. That, mm -hmm. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But when it comes time to talking on behalf of the team, I don't, I'm not helpful as part of that process. Mm -hmm. Our players are. Our coaches. Lawrence Frank as our you know, president of basketball. All I do is create chaos. Somebody will like, oh, they're going to try to read between the lines on what I said right. and what does that mean? That's not helpful. I'm, right. not, I'm not there in the mix every day. So I try to let, you know, I'll, once a year I'll do like a press session. We don't talk about the roster and all that. That's better done elsewhere. So I, I try not to get in the fray. I mean, look, I le read a lot of crap on social media. And there are times where I just, God damn, I just, I just want to, I just want to say a little something. Just, just, just a little, wee little bit of stuff. Lay low and wear me. Lay low and like that shirt of yours, it just sort of slides. Well, not with the mushroom thing, but the rest of it. You got, a, you got that shirt that's not going to call a lot of attention. Yeah. Wear beige. Wear beige. That's my new shit. Wear, wear beige. beige. And be and chill. Be chill and wear beige. So, I, at least with media and social media, that's kind of my, you know, I'm not going to grab a journalist at the end of a game. You know, if our PR guys or comms guys want me to do something, sure, I'll do something. It's usually very structured. I'm not going to take some random question. Um, I don't want to do the media interviews where somebody asks, you know, why did you play X instead of Y? Why does your team trade for Z and, you know, this guy instead of that guy? I think that's best done by the professionals, Lawrence, players, coach, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Got you. I got another business question, and I want to ask you. So, like, in the NBA, to make it to the NBA, you know, there's usually a few types of people that make it. You Sometimes you have your guys that are super talented. Um, they might not have the best work ethic, but they're just so talented. Then you have guys that aren't that talented, but they work extremely hard. I want to know on the business side for you, you know, I know you're smart. You're clearly smart. I also read that you scored a perfect score on your math section for the SAT. But would that's, you... that's not actually true. But it's it not makes true? a good story. Okay, okay. seven ninety, not eight. Okay, my bad. My <laughs> bad, my bad, my bad. I, but what I don't want to lie. We got a lot of viewers that they might not want to make it to the NBA, but they want to, you know, be successful in business. That's like super popular right now. So, what would you contribute your success to? Were you just gifted and you worked really hard? Or where would you kind of gauge that with yourself? Four things. Number one, yeah, I, I, I was blessed. I mean, I'm good with, with numbers and concepts and, you know, hey, I was, I was lucky. 
That's you could blessed, lucky, whatever you want to say. That's number one. That helps. Number two, I developed a work ethic. And I don't know, my parents, something. I developed a work ethic real early, real early. I mean, you know, I was getting sort of pats on the back from teachers in second grade because I was the hardest worker in the class. So that helped. Number three, I got my ass kicked early. You know, you could say I never had anything go wrong with me, but I had a teacher in second grade say that I wasn't very smart, I wasn't good at math, and I'd probably struggle in third grade. God damn, I took it as my job that summer between second and third grade. I was going to prove Miss Van Stickle wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that was your name, too. Miss really Van Stickle. Miss Van Stickle. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, I, skip, I wound up it's skipping stickle. third grade after three weeks because I studied all summer. So I was a worker, okay? Got you got to be a worker. Mm-hmm. You just got to be a worker. You got to have motivation. You got to be a worker. Motivation. I got motivation out of that. I got, you know, work. I was blessed. Some some good raw material. And you got to get lucky. I mean, if anybody thinks there's not some luck, you know, I hate it when people say, well, you know, I work harder than everybody else and I'm smarter than everybody else. That doesn't guarantee success. Mm-hmm. You need You need a little luck. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is less true, actually, for an athlete than it is for people in business, mm. but even for athletes. I mean, there's got to be for most, I don't know, you, do you have a story where you say, hey, it wasn't just all my skill and all my, my uh, work? Oh, it was 100% luck. I, you've been, I'm not sure if you've been to Palmdale or not, but. No, but I'm going. The point of you uh, being a part of that, uh, you know, facility there lets you know there's not much going on in Palmdale. So it was 100% luck of making it out of Palmdale. But, you know, with that, I gave myself a chance by working hard and and, and putting that work to to use for whenever that opportunity or big break presented itself. But so it, there it was always 100% a little, luck. Generally a little motivation, a lot of hard work, a little luck, and a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true in almost any, and I just hate it when people deny that it was luck. You know, they just say, hey, it was because all I'm me. so cool, yeah. it's going to happen for me. Right. Fellas, I know we all got facial hair right now. You see my got a little gray in it, and it's looking real clean still, except for maybe you, Bunky. You need a little lineup today. You're a little, little messed up over there. But do you guys ever run into some, some stubble trouble? Hey, you know, for me, I love my facial hair, but just hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day just to make sure that it stays clean. I feel the same way, and that's why we've partnered with Manscaped. Your face is the first thing people see, especially for us on this podcast. So get them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. Yes, sir. Manscaped now has beard products with the launch of their brand new Handyman electric face shaver. There! Skin safe technology helps reduce nicks and cuts and is designed to give your face that smooth chisel, izzle, dizzle for shizzle look without the mess of a traditional shave. Yeah, it's for wet use or dry use and pee, you know, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness makes this the perfect travel tool for those long road trips. Make sure you join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use promo code PODCASTP for 20% off and free shipping. Yo, do you guys have a ton of subscriptions that might be draining your wallet? 
man, I'm broke these days. Shit, look, I got all these streaming apps and fitness programs that I can't even count them all on hands, man. Yeah, wait, one, two, three. How many hands is this? What I got? Uh, what, seven, two hands, eight, two hands. Two? Like I said, I can't even keep count, man. It's a lot, but Jackie, you want to hear something crazy? Did you know over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about? Think about all the subscriptions you have that were never canceled. That's why I'm a huge fan of Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want just with the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. So don't be like me. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscription and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash podcast P. That's rocketmoney.com slash podcast P. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Yo, have y'all ever had nights where you couldn't fall asleep and, and, and because your thoughts were racing and keeping you up all night, which preventing you from being able to enjoy your life or performing your best on the court? Yeah, it does. But you know what helps is me just talking to people, getting it out, talking to my wife. Sometimes is is kind of how I get through it. You know, let her in on what's keeping me up, what's keeping me busy. And a lot of times she just helps me relax. Yeah, I've noticed if I don't work out, Jackie, then I always have a, a more difficult time falling asleep. So just getting outside, getting a little exercise has been helping my mind slow down. You know one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is talk them through, P. Therapy gives you a place to do that. So you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some, some mental and emotional peace. You understand what I'm saying? So you can dominate on and off the court. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It helps you become the best version of yourself. Was it hard for you guys to find a therapist? No, I just kind of asked around and got a referral and was able to see someone pretty quickly. What about you, Pete? Huh? You got any suggestions for people, you know, to help them get started with the therapy? If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedules. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash podcast P today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash podcast P. I don't even know how she, I, I got to come with energy asking you this next question. <laughs> Because, I mean, look, I done sat courtside at the Clipper games last year. And my boys know I got, I don't know what kind of energy I got, but it's off the, the meat rack. But I think. <laughs> the meat rack? It's the off meat the meat rack. rack. I'm gonna it's use, off the meat you, rack. You use beige, I'm going to use off the meat rack. Meat rack and beige. Meat rack the and beige. Steve, but, that's the first time yeah, I've heard him say heard that, that one. one. Yeah, I don't tell him everything. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds pretty good, though, dude. My energy is some early 80s rack. shit right my, there. I, I, you, know, you know my age now. But. <laughs> I done been to the games, the and every rack. game that I've been to in Seaside, when I look across, I see you. And your energy is not like a governor. Your energy is beyond a governor. It's like a fan over a, a it's like different energy. Like you don't just cheer or get mad. You like, like, not like, it's, ah, whoa! It's like some, <laughs> like, you, you act like you young, man. And you, you act like you real young. Where do you get this energy from? Cause I really thought I had more energy than you. I'm, I'm like dull today. I don't know what's going on. Like, what, are you like this at every game? And do you watch? 
regular game on TV like this. No, there's a difference between watching on TV. I just got to say, I make it an absolute rule to the best of my ability to just be positive when we're all in the building together. Look, there's sometimes where I say, God damn, how did we do that? When I'm at home, I gripe a little bit more to my wife. I, I, don't, I try not to do that. Who was it? One of our coaches said to me, hide your body language. You're going to be unhappy. At least you never say anything, but hide the damn body language. And I, I'm usually pretty good about that. When I'm home watching on TV, oh, how do we miss that shot? Oh, my God. I can't you can all look. I'm not, I'm not trying to give anybody a hard time. I'm just saying that that's how our fans are, too. Yep. yep. But you know, it's funny. I'm very shy as a kid. Extremely shy. Man, what? Like, I wouldn't go into somebody's house if their dad was home. I was that shy. Yeah. I was scared to go to school. It don't even seem like it. I mean, I, but I was. I was. And it developed. And with my confidence, I've always, I mean, I have a lot of energy, but I don't, I didn't used to when I was younger express it much that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. I was just too, too, too timid, too mm -hmm. shy. And now, you know, is you get older, eventually that stuff, you know, drips away. Yeah. Uh, I would say. Uh, I want to say. I've next always to been him. an enthusiastic sports fan. I mean, look, I love the Clippers and all that, but when you go to your kids' games, that was a much oh, bigger man. deal. That's bigger. That's yeah. That's I might have brought even more energy. I tell everybody, you know, they ask, what's it like to you, know, you have a team? And I said, well, it's the next best thing to your kids' games. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. You know, sweat. Just, you know, you look at I raise my arm and boom, all pin it out. Oh, my God. We're, you know, we have a chance to beat Franklin. Oh, my God. My kids did not go to the most accomplished basketball school in the toughest league. They played the toughest league in the state of Washington. They weren't exactly, but I would say, at the level. Almost every no, most of the NBA guys in Seattle came out of my kids' league, and they went to a little you know, prep preppy school that wasn't going to compete well with Brandon Roy's high school, Jason Terry's high school, Dejounte Murray, you know, Baby uh -huh. Boy's high school. Not 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 happening. But your kids' games. That's, that's, where it's where, at. that's where you really, yo, know, my kids sometimes say, come on, dad. You embarrass him. We don't want to know about it. We just, you know, wear some beige, at least a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> wear a little beige. beige. I'm going I'm, I'm to sit next to a game next, next year. I'm going to sit next to a game with you and go hype, get real hype with you. I should bring my buddy. Bring my buddy. Back. Our son's played AAU basketball. He's louder than I am. He's louder, he louder than you? Oh, God. Oh, the no. There's nobody games, louder than you. At the AAU games, I wasn't even close to as how loud is, as how, is, how old is your son that's in the AAU team? Well, he's he's gone now. That he's 24. So I was about to say. He hasn't played for seven years. Why not on your team? Got to play with us. Yeah, I like what you did there, though. PG he, he, just, he just got him a seat next to Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I just yeah. put myself there. Just, just remember. Yeah, you did that Just remember. He's a whole lot better athlete than his dad. And... He's not he's not playing at the most elite AAU level. Yeah, and he had a good run, a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, you know, as I said, you know, high school, he wound up a better football player, my yeah. youngest. Than I know we've had some some fun times, some celebratory uh, locker room water showers. Uh, it's 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 awesome, you know, to have that relationship from top to bottom to have ownership in the locker room. You don't see that very often. I've been on two really? teams. No. 
not to have ownership in the locker room and celebrating a win with their team. No. Seriously? Yes. I would have thought that happens a lot. In a water shower? No, sir. <laughs> well, let me ask you this question. I'm, I've always been curious. One of the things that's important to me is I always go into the locker room for the last game of the year, which, mm-hmm. you know, the last game of the year. How do I say this? I always hope our last game of the year is in the playoffs and it's a win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it's in the playoffs and a loss, you know what, you know what just happened. Mm-hmm. If you don't make it to the playoffs, that's whether you win or lose, that's not a great game. Don't most owners do that? Show up at the end of the – just for the last game of the season at least? Uh, I don't want to throw no owners under the bus, but not, – Not so much. <laughs> yeah, no, not so much. Not throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. It's just – it's not that common, you're saying. Yeah, it's not that common. I mean – in, in my career. I mean, at least to say thank you to people. You yeah. know, it's, hey, right. yeah. our season ended. It's appreciated. And, you know, because I'm not going to be with that group of guys ever again to be mm-hmm. able to say thank you. Because, you know, by then you go do the, you know, what do you call them? The debriefs, the end of, end mm-hmm. of season stuff, mm-hmm. and people spread around. And mm-hmm. anyway, so it's, it's kind of something I think is important. Mm-hmm. You just said like water showers. It just seemed a little like, like yeah, like you know, dump the Gatorade, like mm, water That's everywhere. Basketball it sounded more like they know it. You know, I, I I knew what you must have been talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I it's knew fine. what you were talking about. But for our audience at the end, <laughs> we were talking about Gatorade. Nothing more. Not, not any wet you t-shirt contest. You might have assumed it was <laughs> something <laughs> inappropriate. What kind of culture not. is going on over here? Water shower. We were, we were right there, mind melding. <laughs> he just <laughs> all the commercials for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the show. <laughs> I love it. So, you know you love those things in the movies, though, where the actors are acting, and then they turn and they talk to the camera. <laughs> I, I, so, so this part of the movie is fun. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's great to get a different perspective because you know we talk with athletes. That's all we've really talking to is athletes. So to get your perspective on things, uh, it's been fun. But you know, in business, you have all these different roles, whether that's the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, whatever it may be. And now that you're in the Clippers organization, talk a little bit about your working relationship with the roles you have there with the team president, Lawrence Frank, and then your coach, Coach Lou. Talk about that dynamic and, and how it works. Yeah, I, I think of myself as having kind of four, four folks who are the leadership I stay in touch with. Uh, Lawrence Frank, who is our president of basketball. Gillian Zucker, she's president of business. They're both, I mean, they work together, mm-hmm. but they're separate, separate things. It makes mm-hmm. all the sense in the world. Uh, T. Lou. <laughs> And Jerry West, who's a, a consultant, gives you know a lot of perspective, a lot of advice, a lot of wisdom. So those are the four people I stay in pretty regular touch with. I am retired. I mean, I'm busy, but I'm retired. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means I want to really delegate to people, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to be, particularly in Gillian's area, she runs the business. We agree on some targets. Now, the arena's been a little different. That's been a labor of love for me. So I've been more, <laughs> more of a little micromanager, I'd say, on that. But in general, she runs the business. You know, we agree on some parameters. I'm not in the middle of it. Mm. Jerry gives wise advice. T. Lou, my, my deal with him, we, t- we talk on the phone, but mostly I go and see him before every home game. Stop in his office. How's he doing? What's going on? What's going on his perspective with the team? Um, we have a great relationship, but we talk. I mean, we see each other, you know, I'll check in on the summers, but I do talk to him before every home game. 
Now, I didn't. He he's fine with that. You know, my thing is, oh, pregame, you got to do your job. I'll mm-hmm. leave you alone. He says, if I'm doing my job ten minutes before the game starts, you got a different yeah. problem. Basically, <laughs> I got to get my work done before that. So, um, you know, that's an important connection. You know, it's not like I go back in and say, hey, why are you playing Tommy instead of right. you know Harry or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not that's not my deal. I'll ask questions because mm-hmm. I want to know, mm-hmm. but you know. With Lawrence, it's a little different because, look, why do people want to have basketball teams? Well, if you're not an athlete, it all goes back to, hey, like trading cards, right? Trading baseball cards. Ooh, should we do this? Ooh, should we do that? And so where do you get that juice? It's always by talking to the head of basketball. I'm not necessarily saying, hey, you know, move this guy, play that. That's not my, my deal. Mm-hmm. But, but come on. I'm interested. What's going on? You know, are we going to get that guy? Give me the scoop. Okay. I've never heard of that guy you want to trade for. Oh, at least let me go look up so I'm I'm with you. I can get excited with you. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. What about that guy? Oh. And and ultimately, there is one decision above all that I am responsible for. And that, in a sense, is how much money we're going to lose or make. Right? Mm -hmm. And that gets down mostly to what our player payroll and luxury tax bill is going to be. And I can't delegate and say, you decide this. It's your money. You Mm -hmm. decide. Mm -hmm. And so I have to have enough of a sense that, okay, do we really need that 15th roster spot when if you add up the luxury tax, the 15th guy on the roster is going to wind up costing us 12 million bucks. Mm -hmm. Got to talk about that Mm -hmm. because the 15th guy on the roster isn't supposed to play much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, do you do that with the last roster spot or – the top seven or eight guys on the team, just you just got to do whatever you got to do to have the right top. And then after that, do you, you know, what do you do? Again, I don't have to decide on the guys, but I got to give enough parameters that Lawrence can do his job. Mm-hmm. And for that to work, we got to be talking. Mm-hmm. And you know, I talk to Lawrence very frequently on the phone. Well, I'm kind of excited about this one I'm about to ask you. Because I've been in L.A. all my life, 41 years. And Clipper all, fan for 42, uh, uh, 40 of them? I'm going to hurt your soul right now. I'm a Laker fan forever. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck being here! <laughs> hey, I just got to keep it real with you, Dave. Yeah, you keep <laughs> it real, keep it real. I'm backing <laughs> away listen, from you. <laughs> but listen, but listen. There go goes Bays, Joe. There you goes go Bays, 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 But I'm very excited because as long as I've been living and we always had the Lakers and the Clippers sharing, sharing. It's been what ten years since you became the general, governor, um, the, governor. <laughs> the governor, the governor, the governor. It's the governor. It's been ten years since you've been the governor, and finally in 2024, you got. I, I'm gonna say this, your baby, the Intuit Dome. Everybody wants to know about the Intuit Dome. This man will be able to play in the Intuit Dome. Everybody wants to know. I wants to know what was the process in building this place. And we we all know it wasn't easy, man. Break it down to us. Like, what? Well, because I know you got more energy now with this. You about to be crazy with this because I don't heard a lot of stuff about it. Please all tell right. us. So when I when I first acquired the team. One of the things that was a, like a good thing for me is we didn't have to build an arena. Because most of the time, I mean, if you look at it, many of the times when 
when teams sell, it's because there needs to be an upgrade or a renovation mm. to an arena. Mm. And I thought, isn't this great? I don't have to own an arena. <laughs> we play in one. It's all good. <laughs> I didn't realize how 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 unfun that was for us versus the Kings and the and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, better financial arrangements. You don't see the Lakers playing on Saturday afternoons. <laughs> you don't see the <laughs> Lakers playing or the Kings playing when Monday Night Football's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you just don't see those things. <laughs> and during the first year. When I bought the team, I bought the team by myself. Mm. And uh, I think it was during the first year, a buddy of mine from college, uh, I, I sold him one, uh, you know, 1% of the team. And he's in the real estate business. And he said, you know, his name's Dennis Morgan. He says, bomber, bomber, we got to build a building. And I said, well, you, I didn't want to, but you're in a real estate business. So if we're going to do this, you know, it's as much on you as it on me. And so he gave me the courage, I would say. And then he started the process of finding a piece of land. We looked at a bunch of different sites around the city and the area. What could we do? Where made sense? Actually getting land, even if you identify it, that's a tough process. Mm -hmm. Getting it, what they call entitled, you know, permission essentially from government to go build the thing. We're in California. In California, no government puts up any money for arenas so i knew we were going to have to do that you know i was going to have to do that all myself and then you know i figured okay well my partner would do most of the most of the work but then i found no 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 i i care about how this arena looks i care about how it works (laughs) and you know literally so we started on this project it'll be nine years 2015 we started we'll open in 2024 so nine years and the first year or so was all about getting the real estate then we essentially got sued and they, you know the Madison Square Garden guys who won the forum, they were trying to block us. We wound up buying the forum, even though we're building the building down the street. So you know, we Wait, own the forum you now. You said you too. had to buy the forum Bowling. as well. They were gonna stop. <laughs> I mean look, they were gonna try to they yes. were gonna try to block us from building a building. So, so we bought unless so we bought the so forum. Bought, so we bought, bought the, the forum. <laughs> Mo meat on the rack. This is, this is another edition of no rich people shit. <laughs> so so we own the forum also. Not, we own the we own the forum in addition to it to it though with the Clippers. Anyway, uh, there's a whole story there if you ever want to know. Anyway, so and I said, look, we got to have a point of. I have a point of view. I wanted an arena that works for the true basketball fan, and by the way, the music fan because we're gonna have concerts. But it had to work for the true basketball fan. And there's some things that were, I wanted more noise. I wanted people closer to the action. I wanted people to, to, to be comfortable so that they're not just squirming in their, you know, you, you don't want people just laying back like this, mm-hmm. not cheering. You want people up and <laughs> at it, but you don't want people, you know, people want the leg room. Right, you know, they, right. they want the leg room. They, want, they, they don't want to have to go like this because mm-hmm. they can't see over the person in front. So we, you know, we, we said, we're going to do that. Uh, we saw an early option to do a crazy thing for a scoreboard. And it's like, okay, is this really going to work? What's the what crazy the hell? thing? What's the crazy thing for the scoreboard? Our scoreboard's an acre. We have an acre Whew. of scoreboard. That's 44,000 square feet. The average big NBA scoreboard is 9,000 square feet. So we got about five times as much scoreboard as some of the biggest boards out there. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a sense, we got an acre of surface area for our scoreboard. Tell us about these restrooms that you got so many of. 
God, man, I'm talking scoreboards, and you want to go into the job? You want to take me back? I mean, you want to take, you, take me back to the 1300? You, you call them fixtures because you, you, if you say 1300 toilets, it sort of misses the fact that urinals shouldn't be used as a toilet. Anyway, toilets plus urinals. We got 13 or 1400. I can't even remember right now. I wanted people in their seats watching the game. People, I hate it when you see lines and people can't come back in. We talked about what do we do to make sure there's less water. You know how there's always water on the floor of the bathrooms. I think that looks like shit. So how do you design the sink so that the paper is next to the disposal, is next to the soap, is next to the sink? How do you make the sink deep enough? I'm still worried about that. So that you're not splashing water all over. I mean, we went through the details. And I think, I think it's going to come out. But I, I still worry. I worry about everything in the thing because even though I think we've done a good job, you know, the other day I sat and I, it turns out mo the architect said we were the first uh, ownership group that actually demanded that they put up two rows of seats. Normally people try out the seat. Well, I wanted two rows so you could feel leg room. And then I sat, you know, a year later in some seats and they didn't feel the same. And I thought, oh my God. This is bad because I want no. We're putting the same investment in person in the upper bowl as we do way down at the bottom. You may sit farther away, but we want you to have same comfort level. Well, it turns out the bowl is not like this. It's like this, and so the people down low get a little more leg room, and the people up higher get a little more headroom because it's the same. And we have we have wider rows. And uh, we have as wide seat, wider or wider seats, and we have deeper leg room than anybody in the NBA. How do we make that an experience? We got some, we got some tricks coming. We'll have power to every seat, so you can charge your phone if you need to during the wow. game. That's sick. That's, uh, big. that's, we, that's big. awesome. We'll yeah. we'll know whether you're standing up, sitting down, and if yeah. you're cheering. You know, we know how many decibels you're putting out. We know whether you're standing up, sitting down. Yeah. Because we put chips in the seats that help us understand some of this stuff. Do the seats got heat warmers? Seats <laughs> don't have <laughs> Good question. Yeah, the thing I wanted to do uh, was put what they call, ha like like in a, a controller, put a little haptic feedback. Yeah. Like wow. it's exciting time of game. Or Disneyland ride. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is... One of our guys who used to work at Disney says, you know, what would happen is people would be holding their beer. <laughs> beer would be pouring. I, yeah. I kind of want to give you a little gooser. It's time to stand up and cheer. But the, the, that idea, that, that one didn't happen. Wow. So we have in the stadium, you have, we have the wall, right? How does one make it to be uh, where the wall is? Because I know that's our rowdiest, craziest fans. Like how, how does one what is make the wall? it? The wall, one at one end of the building, we have no suites. So it's just 51 rows from the bottom all the way up to the top, more like a college gym. Okay. And we got a section right in the middle, maybe three or 400 people, standing room only. So you got to stand, kind of student section-y. It's kind of right where the free throw shooter has to look mm -hmm. uh, to shoot the free throw. And when so when the opponent's down there shooting free throws, we got our guys standing there. And, you know, That's basically dope. like the soccer, if you're not cheering hard, you won't be able to stand there in the future you know mm -hmm. that 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 that's not you buy a seat and you're done mm -hmm. we have we have some of our more affordable seats there so we can you know get some younger people in maybe who don't have the resources to buy buy elsewhere uh, i don't know whether 
I'm allowed to talk about this yet, but uh, we're working on what I would call a season pass instead of a season ticket. Uh. Season, you buy a season ticket, you sell it if you're not going to the game. I don't like that. Mm. That's how we get all the evil other team fans in <laughs> our building. And I'm sort of tired of that. Yeah. BS. Pass, so wow. a season pass, you can share like a Netflix account. You can share it with three or four people, but it's got to be those three or four people. Mm-hmm. You Ooh. can't just sell it to somebody else. Now, we got to sell that at a low price. That's got to be a good price product, but we're going to have some season passes in there and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. I like got that. It. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Shout out to the Intuit. That's house, awesome, man. You did. Thank you. Shout out to the Intuit. Thanks. Thanks. You guys had a, you had a good tour when we went over there. And took oh, it was amazing. I was blown away. I mean, people don't realize this. There's like five full court basketball courts there. The outside court, I think, was, was awesome. Um, cause you're not only tying in our games, you want actual community games there, whether it's, you know, AAU stuff or high school championships, like you, you really want this a basketball stop. Yeah. Yeah. So we got an f- indoor court for the fans. We got an outdoor court for the fans. We obviously have the game court mm-hmm. and I think people, I, I believe you guys are going to really like the practice facility. We're going to love it. Yeah. I We're going to so. love it. I think so. I was over there today taking a look and, uh, we had a locker room, I'll tell you this. We had a locker room design. And then one of our guys was looking at the new locker room in the practice facility at Orlando. Mm-hmm. And he comes back and says, we got a problem. What's the problem? We got to make the locker room bigger. Well, what do you mean we got to make the locker room bigger? Because this is our practice locker room, in addition to our game locker room, we may not have a space, enough space for all the, all the shoes guys want to have at their locker. <laughs> you know, How many pair of shoes? Uh, maybe 20 or 30 pair of shoes with the lock. <laughs> you know, it takes more space for that. Oh, and oh, by the way, we don't have a place to hang up a long coat. I said, this is L.A. He says, no. This is a place where some people want to style. And they're going to have long coats despite the fact. Yeah. So we wound up redoing. It was, the la- it was the latest change we make. And now we got a lock crew that is... Ooh, looks pretty big to me yeah. <laughs> for 15 guys. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Steve, you just uh, mentioned the word change, and you've been a part of the NBA now for about 10 years, and you've kind of seen how the games evolved. What are your thoughts on the current NBA with how much growth it's had, uh, both from a business perspective and just how the games evolved um, from an analytical space? Are you? What are your thoughts about the current NBA today? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all we're fortunate that we have a game that probably winds up close to tied with soccer is the most popular game in the world. Basketball is never going to come close to soccer in some parts of the the world, but Mm -hmm. in the United States, in China, in the Philippines, where Mm -hmm. they're playing the FIBA stuff right now, you know, basketball is red hot. So Mm -hmm. I think that's and and it makes sense. You know, you can play it or you can go out and shoot. It's much more, oh, it's not like, you know, the NFL where it's just not, you need it's pass, not conceived. The NFL is perfectly good, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't get that same sense. I also, and this is going to sound funny, but games that are played without helmets means there's a lot more identity for the players. I mean, I can be a Seahawk fan. If you tell me, you ask me how many Seahawks would you actually recognize if you ran into them on the street, I might look at it again and say, I bet that guy plays for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if you're not DK Metcalf or, you know, Sherman when he was with the mm-hmm. Seahawks, Bobby Wagner, mm-hmm. but, you know, you're not going to recognize a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Basketball, there's a lot more sort of intimacy and ability to relate because you're, 
you know, and you're closer to the game. Mm-hmm. So I think our game's going to be just more and more popular. That's number one. How the business goes, I think the business will continue to be good. But, you know, this major, major shift that's going on from TV as we know it to streaming there's going to be a lot of like weird stuff that goes on in terms of how people are getting games. They'll get them. I don't know how. I don't know if it'll be through the networks, the streamers. Who knows? There'll be some, some legal deal with that, if you will, as we go through the new media deal. But there'll be new ways to experience the game at home. Mm-hmm. As soon as you, you, know, you put it on the internet, you can interact with it. You can customize. You can do things to watch the game. You, I mean, this is one I'm real excited about. I say to myself, I want to just watch this game from PG's perspective. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to. I want to see what he sees. That's possible in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. It is possible to say, "Hey, I just want to watch the game, the, see the game he sees." Mm-hmm. I think that'd be cool it as hell. Awesome. Myself. And the technology is going to let us do that kind of stuff. So I think our game not only is a good game we're going to be able to make it even more exciting to the person who's not in the building and hopefully with things like we're doing it into it inside the building. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's in good shape. The fact that we got a, a deal that works for the players and for the team, I think that's very important. The thing I like about our ba- – I mean, everybody, you know, players, rah, owners, rah, that's got to happen every few years. But the truth of the matter is we've got a real partnership. We split the revenue 50 50. I mean, we, we all care about the same thing then. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, players will say, give us a little more, and the owners <laughs> will say, give us a little less. And it's not my job to, the league takes care of that. Mm-hmm. But the sense of partnership, I think, is really important. And I think it lets us build our game in a different way than you do in other leagues, frankly. Uh, because because of the the way the deal is structured, mm-hmm. um, so I'm a fan of what the players' association and the league have done about that. I guess is what I'm really trying to say. I think that's important in terms of the excitement in the game. You know, everybody's got their own opinion of what's exciting. You know, is it run up and down, shoot more three? You know, the analytics say what you're supposed to shoot corner threes and dunk the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a bit old school. You know, I don't mind seeing games one, you know, ninety-four to ninety, mm-hmm. uh, but but I may not speak for the average fan, and that's why there's smart guys at the league office and on the competition committee, players, coaches, etc. But you know, we got to keep the game, you know, super interesting. The nice thing about threes, actually, is that anybody can think I I can go out and shoot one of those. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, dunks. If you're like an average, you know, kind of hacker. You, it's just it's not in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But all right, I'll, I'll go out and practice shooting the ball. You know, I'm not going to be an NBA player, uh, but I'm going to go out and shoot the ball. Now, when people say, "Hey, let's move the three line back further," that may that, that may work for somebody. It starts taking the fan out of being able. Look, it's hard enough right now for the average fan to know whether they can actually get the ball from the NBA mm-hmm. three line to the mm-hmm. the basket. I, I tell people who do. I said. Could you get it there yeah. and without just yeah. flinging it? Well, you the see truth it all is, the time. Most of the guys I know yeah. can get it there yeah. with anything that looked like a shooting. Well, form. you see it all the time when they do the the little fan interactions at halftime, halftime, and the fans is that ball is well short. <laughs> well, short. <laughs> yeah. I go out there and practice at home, you know, just saying, "Hey, can I get my?" Because I, you know, I'm older. I can't do it anymore just on 
you know, power. I got to do it on form. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> I didn't really, I sit there and I watch you guys. I watch, okay, okay, what's, what's going on? What's the form? What's the form? I think I told you this once. I watch, do you know I've watched you carefully in your warm up? Mm -hmm. And, and I think you, you tend to shoot like in a game like you shoot in warm up. Mm -hmm. That's not true of everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, okay, like Nico, Batum. He's got a very compact shot. Mm -hmm. It's like, boom. It's tight. Just, yep. It's just tight. Nothing uh -huh. seems to move. Like, where the hell does the power come yeah. for that? Yeah. I mean, you got a little bit more motion. Mm -hmm. I'm not, there's not a good and a bad. It's just, God, how does that guy get the ball there? How does that guy get the ball there? Mm -hmm. I was watching a little bit of the highlights of the Slovenia-Canada game at the, at the World Cup. You know, they got Luca shooting the ball and Shea shooting the ball. And, okay, what do they do? But we got to keep the game interesting. Mm-hmm. To the point, and game game has evolved. It you know it's evolved a lot since you came in the league. A lot, it? yeah, it is. I mean, I tell all the young guys like now the the game is is fast paced. It's a lot more up and down. When I was you know my first year in the league, there was two bigs on the court. There was no switching. There was no. It was it was it was either pick and roll or it was either play out of the post or you know that was that was. Uh, NBA offense you know now it's our fives are initiating offense uh five out it's spread it's running gun you know it was still a mid-range game when I was when I was in first coming in the league and so yeah it, it, it's yeah, a different for a lot time of the great guys like on our team it's still a little it's bit still, of mid-range mid on <laughs> I love it I'm happy we have mid-range guys on our team because I'm a huge fan of, of yeah, using I the mid-range I mean the best player in the world was the the best mid-range guy so I'm a fan of the league, uh, of the game, still staying in that you know mid-range game. But yeah, it's I mean, like getting a lot. rid of the take foul, that was essential. You can't have a game where people run up and down and then they can't like finish the break. I mean, yeah. it, it's. I mean, at least from my fan perspective. I don't yeah. Know, what did you think it was good to get rid of that or no? I thought it was good. I thought it was good to get rid of that, um, because it it's like you know if someone's got a fast break. Like you know we're not just gonna you know, give you a, you know, a, a easy layup. Like we got to try to make a play, you know, and, you know, try to save a possession. You know, I, I can't. agree with that, but the little, all right, I touched you. Yeah. You, you know, get your, I mean. Does it need to be the, like the Euro style? Like you get a good whack in. Yeah, I mean, do yeah, do yeah. Detroit Pistons. If you don't want a fast break, you know it's okay. Get yeah. your ass out there and stop the fast stop break, it. but not just hey, you're running by. And yeah. For me personally, as a fan, I I I like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, look, I like a little bit of the old school, you know, Gary Payton in the post kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, did you guys uh, hear Noah Lyles talking about you know the NBA champions, whether they're world champions or not, and all the controversy that came from that? I'd be curious, kind of, what your guys' thoughts on his comments because it has stirred up a ton of different thoughts and opinions in the social media world and want to know what your guys' take is. I mean, I think, I think he's right. Technically. Yeah. Like the NBA, we have, you know, guys from all over the world, right? The game is became as is more and more becoming an international game with, with the international talent that's coming into the league. But from his point of view, being a, uh, you know, a USA athlete, I think he's right in terms of world champion competing on that scale um, and winning the gold medal. Um, but at the same time, like, 
I think you have a right being in the best, mm-hmm. you know, the NBA being the best of the best in basketball with all these other countries and, and national players being a part of our league. Yeah, you you're you're a world champion. Like I, I, I but I I don't think there's a wrong answer either way. I'm with you. I mean, look, it's sort of like a technicality, which is, you know, if you have to play for your country and only your country to have a world championship, I, I get that definitionally. Yeah. If the best of the best have to beat the best of the best to be called a world, world champion, champion, you know, if you ask me, I love the national games because they have a certain kind of, you know, spirit to them. But if you really want to know what the, you know, sort of the best of the best, competition looks like mm-hmm. you, you watch the nba you watch the nba no, i get it i get a kick okay yeah you know usa now to me it's different because we have a lot of great guys who go play on our team but it's not the best team my guess that the u.s could put on the floor right i mean it's not like the old days where the dream team came and said you know to, i don't know if you guys remember 88 we lost we lost to the russians and there's a line out of one of my favorite movies, Taxi Driver. Too much abuse has gone on for too long. We're going to take all the dirt and filth and flush <laughs> it down the toilet. Well, that was 92. Too much abuse had gone on for too long. We're not letting those Russian guys win again. <laughs> and, you know, that was, that was an amazing team. Yeah. We're not sending that team. And, and frankly, it's probably better for Olympic and competition that we don't. That team would go... And that those games would not be very competitive. Mm-hmm. So I actually think the better test of great basketball is the NBA championship. But you know the mm-hmm. semantics of that. I agree with what Noah Lyle yeah. said. It's it's fine, and I disagree with him. At the yeah, same time. in some ways. I mean, you, it's it's comparable to like boxers. When boxers win, they're world champions. You know, like. There's, Except yeah. they'll have two guys at one weight class who both own yeah, their own yeah. world championship. <laughs> <laughs> so I never quite ever since I was a kid, I said, How can you have a world champion when there's another guy who's got a belt? Yeah. They say, Well, he's got the X belt world championship. But it's comparable to that, I think. You know, in boxing as world champions, they're just individuals, I think, on on, you know, the NBA level, it's a team. So you know, we're still world champions. We're beating the best of the best to be rightfully called the world champion. Mm. To your point, yeah. So there's no, I, there. I, I know he probably got a lot of yeah. heat. Probably still getting a lot of heat from. He that knew comment. what he was doing too. I think too. I think there was a part of him that was like, he, he knew what was going to happen if he came out and said what? it. Looked like he practiced it. <laughs> he but was so mad, Steve. Before <laughs> uh, we wrap up, typically our last segment we do like a draft between the guest and P. But since you're here today. I kind of want to leave the floor up to you, but I'd like for you to kind of let us know what you expect to see from the team this year. And then lastly, before we start the season, just your message to the Clipper Nation before we begin the season. In terms of, you know, what I expect to see, I would, and I kind of like, we, we and people don't think about this anymore with Microsoft, but we were always underdog. We had to come from behind in so many battles. You know, Windows was not the favorite when it came out. <laughs> Xbox, we had to come, you know, from behind the Sony, mm-hmm. bunch of the other businesses. You know, people think of Microsoft Word as the only word processor you use. We had to, we had to knock off a bunch of competition. <laughs> and I think there's a similar character in the Clippers. You know, people don't give us our due. Mm-hmm. And frankly, because we've been hurt, 
we haven't shown better than that. Mm-hmm. Not as not as good as we can show. Mm-hmm. And so I think at this stage, people discount us. I think probably a little chip on our shoulders right Absolutely. now. Pete can talk about that better than I can. And so I think people discount us a little bit. I think we got a little bit of something to prove. I think we got a lot of talent on our basketball team. Um, you know, bookies. I, I don't bet. I'm not <laughs> suggesting betting, but it's a way to it's a way to see what the world on average thinks. You know, I think we got a lot to prove. I think I think we got a lot of potential, and I have uh, always great expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is, it doesn't matter. My expectations are never any higher than it would be with our with our players. Mm-hmm. Our players come in expecting to win. That's what they. I mean. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, you guys come in and say expecting is not the right word. Saying we're going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing given, so you can't you can't expect. You know, we have guys who who are playing for us because they they want to win. Mm-hmm. They want to could have done done other things this off season, but they stay with us because they want to win. Mm-hmm. And so I have high expectations for our team this year. I do, and we need a little luck. We need to stay healthy. Mm. Um, so we got a lot a lot of stuff going on. Yes, sir. Healthy all three. One, two, three. That's a two fister right there. That's a great way to end the show, Steve. Look at this. Everyone's feeling good. It's good. Good thing I don't have to get in the game. I'm looking for your help. I'm glad to come in in a wheelchair and save your help. I'm glad to come in a wheelchair and help your help. Uh, Steve, man, that's a wrap. We appreciate you coming for the season finale. We had to do a big banger for this one. Uh, We want to – what's going on? So we want to have a gift from Mr. Balmer to you. Um, And so, yeah, we wanted you to open it up on camera. Uh, you got that? Come on. Podcast. Oh my gosh. Come on. Can, can, That's awesome. Can I wear this in a game? <laughs> We're not in the bubble anymore. That's great. This is a awesome. great gift. Steve, appreciate it. Guys, Steve got me the podcast P customized jersey. Clipper blue. Come on now. That's dope. Come on now. It's beautiful. That's awesome. Oh, That's awesome. We, we, this is getting framed right here. But That's once really again, good. thank you again, Steve. We appreciate all the fans out there staying locked in with us for season one. It is a wrap. We look forward to seeing you guys back mm-hmm. season two. Mm-hmm. My guy, Dallas Rutherford and Jackie Long. It's been a blast to wrap up this season mm-hmm. one, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks. Good man. Thanks. Yes, sir.